This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Combine Week is upon us. The next part of the pre-draft process will unfold this weekend in Indianapolis. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will be the on-field workouts. I know the Combine tends to spark a lot of discussion about the value of it, the merits of it. But here at Saturday, Sunday, I personally do find a lot of value, a lot of importance from it. I believe you need to know what to do with the information you gather, and you need to understand how it should be utilized as part of the pre-draft process. Now, we understand that the most important part of the combine is what we will not see on the TV coverage on Thursday through Saturday but that is the medicals and then the team interviews. Those are probably clearly the two most important things that take place at the NFL Combine. But the weigh-ins, the testing numbers, the on-field workouts, they all have value. They all have merit here at Saturday Sunday. Since I can remember, we have called it basically the SATs, of the NFL draft process, of the evaluation process. And just like there's value and merit in standardized testing to put everybody in the same level playing field, it is the exact same thing when we are talking about the NFL combine and why it does have value and why it does have merit because you're taking that player who played in the SEC and you're putting him in the same level playing field as the D1 AA player or the, the guy who comes from the non-Power 5 conference or – you know, Louisiana Lafayette, you know, prospect, and you're, you're putting them all in the same playing field. And that does allow us to garner some information, how a guy performs in a lower level school and against non-power five conferences, it just might look different. He might be looking like he's playing like a faster speed, but that might be relative to the prospects and the defenders on the other side, while somebody in the SEC might you know we might question their athleticism but if they were playing in a different conference they might be performing a lot better so it kind of puts everybody in a level playing field it, we get the same results for every single prospect that chooses to participate in the combine and it gives us a little bit of an ability to compare apples to apples and i think that's the the value of the the workouts at the combine we get real measurements on players obviously there's always some measurement numbers that kind of stand out as surprises, whether it's significantly below weight, whether it's significantly shorter, you know, things like that. Obviously, Kenny Pickett's hand size is going to be a topic too that we're going to have to hear about. Uh, So there's all things that come from the combine, but I am somebody that looks forward to it, is excited for it, and knows how to interpret it. I, you know, I've talked about this many times that Calvin Ridley all intents and purposes had a really, really poor combine, except for his 40 time. His 40 time was in the low four fours, but everything else was really bad about Calvin Ridley. And I remember a lot of people freaking out over it. And here at Saturday, Sunday, we said, no, like, yeah, did we want him to test a little better? Sure. But he was still our clear wide receiver one over DJ Moore in that draft class. I never wavered on it because of the film eval will always supersede 
the combine. And especially here at Saturday Sunday, we pride ourselves on the film evals. Like we're film people, you know, we understand that analytics has a role. We understand that testing has a role. And the way I use the testing at the combine is really to break ties, to move guys within tiers. If I had a guy on the cusp of a tier, maybe he jumps up to another tier based on being more athletic than I thought. And occasionally it can go the other way. A guy who I thought maybe was more athletic shows that he's really not. And he drops a little bit, whether it's within a tier or to the top of the tier below. And it also sends us going back to the film, right? If you see a guy who you've never seen would you think of big time speed and then he runs a great 40 time, it might send you back to the film to see if maybe you missed it. Maybe the film that you had access to, he didn't get a chance to show that speed or a guy has a great bend off the edge. If we're talking about a defensive play or something, right? It might send you back to the film. And it's also an opportunity to realize not to double count something. And I think this is something that people got to be really careful about guys who we value their athleticism. And that's why we like their film because of the athletic traits that stood out, well, we expect them to test well. So if they test fantastic or they they test through the roof like we expect, that doesn't mean we push them up even further. They probably already have a good rank, you know, based on the athleticism that we saw on film. So we got to be careful not to overvalue things that we expect to see. And we got to realize that when something stands out, that maybe it's a little bit of a surprise, it sends us back to the film. It, it maybe makes us adjust things. And I do think there's some positions, and I'll get into it a little bit tonight in this combine preview, that there could be more movement this year than, than maybe years past based on uh, some of the information that's out there and, and how close some of these prospects are in some of the tiers or even from one tier to the next at the position. So I find a lot of value in it. I look forward to the combine. I think for some people, they use it kind of as an introduction to the next wave of of NFL rookies, whether it's for fantasy and dynasty leagues, whether it's just, you know, you're a fan of a team. You know, some people don't follow college football very closely on Saturday and, you know, don't get into the, the all-star circuit in terms of the Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl. So some people, you know, enjoy the, the spectacle of the and the coverage of – you know, the NFL network provides to start to introducing themselves to these prospects. And then obviously there's tons and tons of, you know, hardcore draft Knicks that look forward to this every year because it's just another time and opportunity to talk about these prospects and, and see if some things that we saw on film kind of check out or, or need to be reevaluated. So a lot of value, I think in it, if you understand what you're looking for, don't throw everything that you evaluated on film out the window because of something you see. Guys shouldn't be moving 15, 20 spots, stuff like that. That's crazy. Uh, but it, but definitely can be movement within rankings, within tiers, slight tier jumps, and obviously send you back to the film. So I'm going to go through some things that I'm looking forward to on the offensive side. If you've been, you know, uh, a fan here of Saturday, Sunday for quite some time, you know that, you know, during the combine itself, I will be doing a lot of live tweeting tweeting out not just the 40 times, but also my thoughts on players, current draft projections I have on guys. It's kind of my way to start prepping for the draft projections notebook, which anyone who, who purchases the premium content uh, here at Saturday, Sunday, you know, knows that you get the draft projections notebook. The, getting ready for the combine is kind of my introduction of really getting going on producing that content 
Uh, it's the first opportunity that, if possible, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about defensive players here at Saturday, Sunday, if, if the opportunity uh, presents itself for me to do a recap show of day three and day four or, or merge the two defensive days in, into one recap as well. Uh, but there'll be recap shows for Thursday night, you know, and then Friday night. Those are the skill positions, you know, in the offensive line in there as well. But we'll do recap shows definitely for the two offensive days and hopefully for each of the defensive days as well. A lot of thoughts, a lot of evaluations being shared on Twitter, snapshot of who these players are, current draft projections, stuff like that. We obviously also know there'll be a lot of really good prospects who choose not to work out. I know today, earlier this morning, Evan Neal, top one of the top offensive tackle prospects chose. I believe Derek Stingley's not going to be doing anything or not doing everything here at the Combine. Uh, Matt Corral still recovering from his injury, so he's going to wait for his pro day uh, and, and wait for more time for that injury to heal up. So a lot of guys who are highly regarded prospects may choose to sit certain events out, uh, may choose to completely sit out the on-field testing and just, you know, get measured and do the interviews and medicals. And that, listen, that kind of like the same reason, same way we've talked about things, you know, in terms of guys sitting out bowl games, these people are making choices. They're being led by their agents. Some of these guys who are locked into the top five, top 10, the combine probably could only hurt them and not really help them. So if they're doing the interviews, they're doing the medicals, they'll probably put up better numbers at their pro day. I don't really begrudge certain guys for, for not doing certain things. Obviously selfishly, I'd like to see them, you know, do everything and let it rip and, and do all the, th- the the runs and the jumps and stuff like that. But I understand why some of these people and their groups and, and, you know, their agents, you know, lead them down a different path because I think they're looking out for their best interests and more times than not, I think they're probably the right decisions. Occasionally, I think sometimes it would, they, a, a prospect could be better by just letting it, ride but i think a lot of guys are are keeping the guidance of of their agent and their teams and more times than not i think they're probably making the right decision for them and for their draft stock and their draft grade and stuff like that so let's kind of spin this to the to talking about some positions here let's start the quarterback position things that i'm really looking forward to seeing here at the combine uh you know, we saw most of the top quarterback prospects minus Matt Corral, who's not going to be participating. You know, so we, we've kind of familiarized ourselves with a lot of the, the top quarterback prospects, right? Whether it's Malik Willis, whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it's, you know, Sam Howell, you know, you know, uh, Carson Strong. So I don't really think there's a lot that I'm looking forward to at the quarterback position. I do like watching the on-field drills in terms of seeing guys go back to back to back. I think it really you know, shows you sometimes the difference in arm talent and prospects. And we know they go in alphabetical order, you know, so like I'm just, just thinking about like Bailey Zapp's going to follow Malik Willis. And we already know Bailey Zapp doesn't have a strong arm, but imagine being the guy who goes after Malik Willis, who has probably the best arm in this, right? So I do like seeing guys go one after another, running the exact same drills and how they perform these drills and, and the arm talent they have to get the ball vertically down the field. I think it's a big week for Malik Willis. Just like I thought the senior bowl was a big week, I think the combine is a really big week for Malik Willis as well. I think it's an environment where he can shine 
in terms of his arm talent, in terms of his athleticism. I expect him to run a pretty good 40. Uh, and I expect him to show that cannon of an arm. I think the thing that's going to be key for Malik Willis is the ball placement, right? You know, he's one of, she wants to show off that arm, but at the same time, not be, you know, airmailing things, you know, above people's heads and stuff like that. So you, you want to see Malik Willis completely in control, show good ball placement on the passes he's throwing, because I think the natural athleticism is going to shine. I think what in the 40 and stuff like that, and the arm talent's going to shine, but it's that ball placement. That's still a question mark for him in terms of on field workouts. And honestly, the most important part of the week might, be the interviews from Malik Willis. And again, a lot of teams probably already interviewed him down at the senior bowl, but teams are going to circle back on him, digging even a little bit deeper. So I think it's a big week for Malik Willis. I'm looking forward to seeing him on the on-field drills. Uh, another guy, you know, Desmond Ritter, another, you know, polarizing prospect. I still think he's going to go day two early. You know, I think early to mid round two is probably where he's ticketed. You know, I, I'm excited to kind of see him uh, in this setting as well. I think he's going to run a better 40 time than maybe people think you know, than people think. But I also, again, same thing as Malik Willis. It's the ball placement. I know he's got a good enough arm to make every throw. He can push the ball vertically down the field. I want to see in this kind of setting where there is no, you know, pressure in your face and stuff like that, you should be able to show that you can control your ball placement and 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 be a little bit more accurate in this. I'll be looking for that for Ritter. Uh, Kenny Pickett, obviously the story until he gets his hand measured, it's going to be a story. Can he, can he reach that nine, you know, that, that nine inch mark that people are looking for, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's, you know, we, it's been talked about a lot since the senior bowl on, um, you know, I think Pickett will look solid in just about all the events down there. I don't think, I don't think he has any single trade that's going to stand out in terms of the on field things. That's going to make that's an elite trait. I think he's kind of solid to good to above, you know, to very good above across the board in certain things. I think he's the guy still the most pro ready. I think he's going to wow teams probably in, in the interview room on the whiteboard. And I think that'll be his ticket to maybe see if he can ride that momentum then to be in the first quarterback taken in the 2022 NFL draft. Obviously Sam Howell, you know, a little bit inconsistent this last year, but a lot of traits as well. Uh, I think he'll run solidly. I think he's got the arm talent to, to to shine. He does have good vertical ball placements. I would expect him to kind of, you know, show that off here uh, for sure. But that's kind of really it. There's not a lot. Usually we don't have all the top quarterback prospects down at the senior bowl, which we did. So I feel like there's not a lot that I'm looking forward to to seen from the quarterbacks. I don't think we're going to garner too much. I don't think there should be much movement, if any movement from anything we garner at the combine. I'd be surprised if, if people are really adjusting their rankings very much at all from the quarterbacks performing down there at the combine. There just doesn't seem like there's anything that we, that we really can garner that's going to involve any type of movement within the quarterback rankings, in my opinion. So quarterback position, kind of just checking off boxes, excited to see who who's going to let it, you know, who's going to let it sling down there and throw the ball over the field. And I'm excited to see Malik Willis's 40 time. And some of these other guys, I think Desmond Ritter is good, good athleticism. I think Sam Howell, same thing. So a couple other guys, I'm excited to kind of see down there. If we take this to the running back position, now here's where I think it starts to get really interesting because the top running backs for me are Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and Isaiah Spiller. And I don't think any of them are going to run a good 40 time. I think they're all going to be in that 4-5 to 4-6-2 range in terms of their 40 times. I think Brees Hall is going to run the fastest. 
followed by Kent Walker, followed by Isaiah Spiller. It could be close, though. Uh, I don't think any of them breaks 4-5. I think 4-5 is the number that maybe Breetal could hit, but I wouldn't even be surprised if it's like 4-5-2. I could see Kent Walker and Isaiah Spiller being 4-5-5 to 4-5-8. Even 4-6 wouldn't stun me. And that's okay. That None of these guys' calling card is their breakaway speed. They're all very good running back prospects. They're all going to be taking on round two. Uh, so don't overreact to the 40 time. Go in with realistic expectations. If you're seeing somebody saying that these running backs, the top running backs are going to run good 40 times, I think you're just talking to the wrong people or reading the wrong stuff because I don't think any of them are breaking a four or five of the top three running backs in this class. And I think that's totally okay. Like unless somebody runs like a four, seven, some like shocking number, it shouldn't change anything about what you think about these running backs. Cause we've seen plenty of guys from Josh Jacobs to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and other guys run 40 times that are like four or five or, or four, five, two or four, five, four. It really doesn't change anything uh, in, in terms of that. Like you don't want it to be this far outlier and some guys might run four sevens or four, seven fives. And I think that's a little bit of a red flag. I think it kind of tells you that they're lacking the athleticism. You don't see too many guys be really good backs to the NFL that don't have some type of functional athleticism. Uh, so I do think it matters, but I think it's much more the 10 yard, you know, the 10 yard split, the 20 yard split. That's more important probably than the 40 time for most of these running backs. I like to see some of these running backs run the gauntlet drills and run the receiving drills. Cause sometimes we don't know uh, whether or not it, they just weren't asked to do it or they can't do it. I think a perfect example of that is Kenneth Walker. I think him running his pass catching drills is one of the most important things we're going to, people are going to be looking for with the running backs because does he have it in his toolbox to be a functional pass catcher? And if so, it increases his value to play more on third downs, to play more in obvious passing situations, to be an impact in the passing game, maybe on first or second down as a check down option. And it just increases his overall stock. If he can't, and he wasn't utilizing Michigan State because he's just not comfortable with it well that's gonna that's gonna ding his draft stock because then he's really just limited to an early down runner and not really a guy who can play in obvious passing downs and, and third down situations and stuff like that so i think it's an important week for the for the big running backs the top running backs you know does any of them show surprising athleticism in terms of long speed do any of them you know really struggle with the agility drills you know the the shuttle the free cone stuff like that so I, I think for the big running backs, it's exciting to see what their 40 time is, what their 10-yard splits are. For for these guys, you know, especially guys who weren't utilized much in the passing game, the passing down work and the on-field workouts, I think are really important. After that, then we go to like that next tier of running backs, and that's where we have guys like Kyron Williams, James Cook. For me, it's guys like Jerry Ely and Tyler Beatty, Rashad White. They're all pass-catching running backs in some capacity, right? Some of them can handle more of a rushing workload than others, but all of those guys are expected to be guys that, again, I don't care so much about the 40 time, but all of those guys that I just listed, I'd expect them to be – under four five five, if they're going to be a, a a change of pace, third down pass catching back, they should all 
look really good in the pass catching drills, but I want to see them in the change of direction drills. I want to see them in the agility drills. I want to see their 20, you know, their recone and their shuttle be good because if they're, if that's going to be their role at the next level in terms of that space player, that change of, you know, that change of pace back, that committee back, but it's a pass catching, that offensive weapon, I want to see them uh, be able to make people miss and that, ties in directly more to those change of direction drills more so than the 40 time. The next wave of guys are those power backs. And I think this is where the combine could really help sort some of that out. And when I'm talking to power guys, I'm talking Tyler Algier. I'm talking, uh, you know, Brian Robinson. I'm talking Jerome Ford, uh, you know, Snoop Connor, who I just recently watched and he he moved into that tier right around those guys uh guys like that kevin harris uh you know bam zonovan knight those guys are really intriguing because it's like this huge group of guys that are kind of all together you could also add zamir white to that list uh you could add you know Quan white another guy I just recently watched out of south carolina all of these guys kind of profile as these bigger stronger physical backs so does anybody stand out? Does anybody have a really, you know, clearly definitive better 10-yard split? Or does anyone have a really bad 10-yard split that really even shows less athleticism than we thought? Do, does anyone have surprising athleticism and really stands out from the bunch? Runs a good 40 time, you know, for a guy 220 or 225 or 218. You know, does anybody run a surprising three cone or, or shuttle drill at, at, at a bigger size. So I think the combine could really help differentiate and sort out those power backs, those bigger, more physical backs. Cause I've had a hard time kind of sorting through those guys because it's, do they have just average athleticism below average above average, or does anybody surprise and have really good athleticism, you know, and, and surprise with their testing numbers. And if so, I think they're so closely bunched together in terms of their film eval, it kind of helps sort it out. So I'm really excited for that. The top backs to kind of check off, does any of them have more athleticism than we think? Does Kenneth Walker have the pass catching? Then all those space players, who stands out in the change of direction stuff? Uh, do they all check the box for funk, you know, for enough speed? And then those power backs. Does anybody surprise? Does anyone really struggle? Like I, you know, I, I think a guy like Kennedy Brooks and Hassan Haskins, like I think they are going to struggle at some of these drills in terms of, you know, their, their testing numbers. And I'm not huge fans of those guys. I think they're, you know, mid to late day three guys. Like I don't think they're in the round three, round four mix. I think they're more like five to seven. And some people like them more than that. You know, it's also an interesting opportunity for some small school running backs, right? The guys that we've been talking about. In, and have been in the notebook since the summer. Like, you know, guys like, uh, let's see, we already talked about Tyler Algier. Uh, if we talk about a guy like, you know, Devontae Price, you know, at a Florida International or, you know, or Pierre Strong at a South Dakota State, come from small schools. They looked quicker and faster than some of their defenders because they just were. But what is there? This is that apples to apples comparison that we get a chance to see. And the power backs that kind of skipped over Damian Pierce, who's been a riser across the board. Uh, you know, how does he test that? So it's really exciting to, to kind of see these wide uh, running backs and, and kind of perform here at the combine. It's not just the 40 time, don't hone in just on the 40 time, especially for the running back position. Uh, there's a lot more that we can gain value and merit from uh, by evaluating it.
Okay, if we take this, let's go to tight ends first and then wrap up with the wide receivers. There's more to talk about with the wide receivers. Uh, at the tight end position here, I talked a lot about it in the tier shows. I don't think there's a there's a clear differentiation at the top. I am not a part of the, you know, Tyler uh, McBride is clearly the best guy in this class. Sorry, Tyler. Trey McBride is not clearly the top guy in this class. I think he's in the mix, but I don't think there's anybody who's in late first round, early second round consideration. I think they're all, you know, maybe one comes off the board or two come off the board mid to late second round, but I think it's really the sweet spot is round three, round four, round five for this tight end class. And I do think the combine could help sort it out. You know, I have legitimate concerns about Trey McBride and Korean separation. I think he's got to do a lot of it with his physicality and toughness, and that's great, and he gets open. But part of it is because I don't think he has the athleticism to really create separation, you know, in terms of his athleticism. You know, Isaiah likely can, but he's coming from a smaller school. Like this is, he's got to check off all those athletic boxes because the people who are like Isaiah likely like him because of his athletic profile and his production, he's got to check those boxes. He's got to show that he is the athletic guy that we think he is. And it's not just because he's coming from a smaller school program and maybe the defenders just look slower and they were slower. He's got to check off that he can be one of the more athletic tight ends in this class if he wants a real shot at going as one of the first couple tight ends taken. Jeremy Ruckert, I think there's a lot of untapped athleticism and upside. He was a big-time recruit, wasn't asked to use a lot. I think he can be tight end one in this class, and I think a strong combine showing could put him in consideration there. As I talked about with Trey McBride, I think a lot of people have him penciled in as tight end one, but if he has a suspect combine, if he runs a four seven eight or something like that, I think the narrative could start to change a little bit. You know, Jalen Wademeyer, I still have in my top four. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are really down on Jalen Wademeyer. The people who have a little bit more inside information, the Lance Erlines and stuff of the world, they're down on him. They don't even think he's going to be a top three round pick. And part of that is they have some speed and athleticism and separation concerns. You know, can Wademeyer kind of answer the bell a little bit to maybe alleviate some of those, you know, concerns that are out there? I don't think that's his calling card. I, I, I think it's average. But I, I didn't knock him as much as other people because I don't see this big difference in, in, in terms of their athletic profiles of a guy like him and, and Trey McBride, to be honest with you. You know, then there's guys who could surprise. Kate Auden is very high. Lance Erland has him as his tight end one. And, you know, Lance Erland is a guy I respect tremendously. I think Dane Brugler said he had him at, at tight end five. So there's a lot of love for Kate Auden. So how does he look down there? He's a little bit been a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Can he use this? kind of catapult himself more to the national and, and draft Twitter side of it and the fan side of it uh, of being a recognizable name in this draft class. You know, Greg Dulcich, I think, could be the fast run the, the fastest 40 time. If he does that, I think we could start to see him. He's in my top five right now. I think we could start to see him maybe even move his way up, uh, maybe into that tier one, or I have nobody in tier one in that tier two, where I have those four guys I talked about already. Maybe he can push his way into that mix uh, and maybe even higher than some of the guys with a really strong showing here because we know his pass catching is his calling card. If he, if he has a really good athletic profile, I think that could catapult him over guys like Weidemeyer and, and maybe even McBride for me uh, if we have a strong showing there. So I'm excited to see the tight end position because I think it's going to help sort some things out. I want to see Grant Calcaterra and, and see how fast he is in, in straight line and his athletic testing numbers as well. Uh, so there's a lot at the tight end position I'm kind of looking forward to. Some of these guys who maybe were more – 
not used as much in the passing game. How do they look in the actual pass catching drills as well uh, is something I'll be looking forward to watching as well. And then let's round it out with the wide receiver talk because I do think the wide receivers is another area where it's going to be fun to watch these guys, right? That's where we know where we can have some really elite level times, right? If we're going to have some four threes or four, you know, low four threes or anybody cracks, you know, four two nine or four two eight, it's going to come from the wide receiver position if we're talking about skill players. Uh, I'm excited in terms of the big names first. Uh, what does Traylon Burks run? What is his actual weight? I mean, he's listed at like 235 some places. I think he's going to come more like 225. Uh, can he crack four or five? You know, I think that's that's going to be interesting. I don't really care if he does, if he runs four, five, two, if he runs four, five, four, four, five, five. I think he'll be under four, five, five. I'd be surprised if he was above that. But even if he runs a four, five, seven or four, five, eight, that's not really his calling card. He wins with his yak ability after the catch based on his play strength, short area quickness. Uh, so his 40 time might not be great. Uh, but I think he's an AJ Brown clone. But I, I do think he, if he, especially if he drops a little weight, which I, I'm assuming he will, uh, I'd, ex- I'd expect him maybe to run in that four five to four five five range. I want to see Drake London run. I'm not, I'm not Drake London wide receiver one, but he's in my top three, top four. Uh, but there are some separation concerns. It doesn't mean he can't be a big time player. T Higgins wasn't a big time separator. He's turned into a big time player. Don't. Don't pigeonhole every guy who's not a big time separator to be Laquan Treadwell or, you know, Nikhil Harry. Honestly, Drake London is a very different player than those. Drake London is a guy who, after the catch, makes people miss. Like he's he's a former basketball player. He's got a lot of moves, quick feet for a man, six foot five. He's got some, I think he's part Brandon Marshall, part Mike Evans. I think he's kind of like a blend of those guys. Do I want to see him? I don't want to see him run a four six five. You know, if he runs a four five eight, so be it. If he runs a four six, I'm, I'd probably be okay with that. You know, but there are certain numbers that after that you'd be a little bit concerned with. And I don't think he's going to hit any number that I'd be concerned with. But I do want to see what his athletic testing numbers are. I think he'll be, I think he'll be solid in the the change of direction drills because I do think he has good feet, and I think we see that after the catch, he makes some people miss not only with his play strength and physicality, but also just quick feet and quickness. And we know he wins at the catch point, and you know if he comes out and surprises and runs a great 40 time, and I don't think he will, but you know, that could be something that catapults him up even higher for people who have him maybe at wide receiver career four. Like I have him at wide receiver four him. It, it could easily be a three, a three B situation for me. It's, you know, it's Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks are my clear one too. And then for me, it's Drake London, you know, and Chris Olave, you know, volleying back and forth in that three, four spot with Jamison Williams, you know, down in the five hole because of the injury, uh, you know, but I'm excited to see what London runs based on his size and stuff. I think Garrett Wilson's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be great. I think he's probably going to be in that Calvin Ridley range, four four two to four 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 type range. I think Chris Olave is going to be the faster of the Ohio State guys. I think people are underselling Chris Olave. I don't know if it's, you know, he, he's been so good for so long in college, but to me, like he's like got this. He's going to have big time vertical speed. Like he's going to crack. He's going to be sub four four. He's going to be in that 4.38 to 4.39 range, I think, maybe 4.37. I think he's a great route runner. Like, to me, he's like part Will Fuller, part Terry McLaurin. Like, I really like Chris Olave. And I think, you know, I keep 
moving him and Drake London back and forth between that three four spot. But I, I'm a fan of both those games, and and I think Chris Olave is going to really put on a show at the combine. And I think some people might be talking about him a little bit more. Obviously, the Alabama guys, we're not going to see them. I'm expecting Wendell Robinson to put on a show across the board. I think you're going to see him run a really good 40 time. I think he's going to kill the change of direction drills. Uh, really excited to see Wendell Robinson. He's one of my favorite uh, wide receiver prospects in this draft class. He could be a guy who really surprises people and just how high he goes. Uh, George Pickens and Justin Ross. This is a monster week for those two wide receivers. Because once upon a time, I think people were, were looking at those two and thinking top 10, top 15 type, you know, uh, wide receivers in the draft in terms of picks and obviously Justin Ross the the neck injury this year he battled through injury the whole year uh it just came out that the uh that was Sweeney said he played for an injury all year you go back to his freshman film though and this looks like a guy who was an elite elite level wide receiver prospect like Top 10, top 15 pick, you know, dominant outside X wide receiver. It's not going to have a blazing 40 time, but if the medicals check out, he tests, you know, he tests good. I think you can see his stock rise and maybe he can be early to mid portion of round two. George Pickens, who I think is one of the most tra- pure traditional outside X wide receivers in this class. If he can run a good 40 time, and, and the medicals check out, I think he could be a guy that sees his stock rise. I think those guys once upon a time were ticketed for round one. I don't think that's probably in play right now unless somebody really if, – if anyone really blew up the combine, it, I think it would be Pickens that maybe he could push his way into round one. But I think those guys are probably both penciled for somewhere in round two if, if the medicals check out, uh, and I'm a fan of both of those games. Uh, keep it, remember the name Calvin Austin Jr. from Memphis, really short at only 5'7". He is going to blaze. He's going to be another guy potentially to crack the sub 4-4. I think he's going to be a, day, a surprise for some people. I think, he's, I think he's going to be a surprise or how high he goes in the NFL draft. Uh, it could be somewhere on round two, if not early round three. And I, I think more people are expecting a little bit further down the line. I think David Bell's got to come in and just be – Average to above average. Nothing can stand out like how when Calvin Harmon had a really poor combine. And and, da- and David Bell reminds me a lot of Calvin Harmon when Calvin Harmon was a prospect who I absolutely loved coming out of NC State. Uh, David Bell's got to show he's got more athleticism. And I think he does than a guy like Calvin Harmon. I think they win in similar fashions. Uh, so I think this is a big week for David Bell to just kind of show that he's got functional to above average athleticism because the rest of it, his game, you know, is really solid that he'll lock in a spot somewhere in round two. Uh, obviously the smaller school guys, I'm really interested to, to get an official number on how fast Christian Watson is. I think he's ticketed for somewhere late round two or round or somewhere in round three. I think Sky Moore is going to really uh, perform well at the combine. I think he's in that round two round three mix. Uh, I think a guy like Kyle Phillips at UCLA is going to really do well in the change of direction drills. The shuttle and the free cone, I think he's going to put up fantastic numbers. That's his calling card. For me, I don't really care about Kyle Phillips' 40 time. To me, he's more about that. The, the And he's going to he's going to be solid in it. But I, I care more about the shuttle and the free cone for Kyle Phillips. Because that's, how, that's going to be how it translates to the things he does on the football field, playing from the slot. Uh, Khalil Shakir, I think you want to see him kind of be, you know, 
I think he's going to do really well in those change of direction drills. The 40 times is something kind of be, it's got to be average, got to be solid. It can't be a red flag. It can't be an outlier. Uh, if Reggie Roberson out of SMU, he's a guy I really liked on film in the summer, kind of see how intrigued to see how he kind of tests. Cause I think a guy uh, like him once upon a time was looked at maybe to go a little bit higher, you know, when the year started him and Wendell Robinson were close for me, Wendell Robinson has kind of spaced out that gap a little bit, but Roberson is a guy who I think could use the the combine to kind of re-elevate his draft stock a little bit uh, as well. But so many other guys, I can just keep going on at the wide receiver position. Other guys that I'm excited to see, Jahan Dotson's going to blow it up. He, I should have mentioned him with Wendell Robinson because I think those two are two of my favorite guys who are not in most people's top fives, but for me, they're right there, then right after it. And I think Dotson is a guy who's going to perform really well. Him and Wendell Robinson, I think, should go early round two. If any of them snuck in round one, I even w- wouldn't even be surprised based on their explosiveness and their big-time upside. So those are the things I'm looking for, guys. Some quick thoughts. I didn't want this to be a long show because we'll be back uh, doing some recap shows of the Combine. So many thoughts I'll share on Twitter, on the instant recap shows, which will be real short. We'll do a, a bigger recap show sometime next week as well. If you're enjoying all this, if you're in- Please make sure you're following me this weekend uh, for all the combine coverage. If you enjoy, you know, hearing my takes on the podcast or following me on Twitter, please get over to the website, SS Football Fastest and Easiest Way to Get There. Check out the premium content tab. And for $9.99, you get access to all three of our premium notebooks. You get the scouting notebook, which is basically an NFL draft offensive guide at this point. Uh Scott, full scouting report, strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, slash concerns, NFL role, how they win, uh, NFL draft projection, fantasy spin. You get the rankings notebook. It has all their rankings, all their tiers. Uh, and then you get the NFL draft projections notebook in April. You get the first two immediately. The third one is released uh, in April. You get all of it for $9.99. It is the best way to support us and continue for us to do what we're doing here. So, on behalf of Matt and Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, enjoy the start of the Combine this week, and make sure you come back to listen to all the instant recap shows. So, until then, and the next time, I'll take you from Saturday to Sunday.